Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Current events, local world music, trending. Welcome to the show. And uh, we'll be talking about the misconception about homelessness. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this morning. Um, you're saying the sound is good. Um, I was just out here like probably like 30 seconds ago and the show didn't even want to start. So I'm thinking, I hope I'm not going to have any problems this morning. So um, I'm glad the sound is good. It's coming in clear. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's been probably about a week uh, for me to be uh, to be out here. Um, you know, like I said, time and time again, um, I really don't, uh, do weekday or week evening shows. It's just, you know, really difficult to get out, um, after, you know, a really long day of work and that. So, um, weekends generally Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, and that to come out here to, to do a show now. Um, I hope you had a good week, you know, um, my week was okay. Um, just plugging away, I guess. And, you know, the weather really hasn't, uh, been that great here in Southern Ontario. It's been a lot of rain lately and it's just another one of those days today that, uh, yeah, it's going to be raining out there. So anyways, um, so about homelessness and, you know, the facts and the misconceptions about homelessness. Now, when we get into stereotype and, you know, we, we see people out on the street who are homeless, um, a misconception, you know, when it comes to stereotype is that they are all criminals. And most homeless people are not criminals. And many of those who are technically criminals have only committed status crimes. Status crimes include getting arrested for loitering, sleeping in public, or trespassing. Those are called status crimes because they are impossible to avoid doing if one does not have a home. So the stereotype is one of the most harmful because it creates an unreasonable fear of homeless people because those who, who spread it or don't distinguish between people who got a ticket for sleeping on a bench and violent criminals. 
It makes many who would probably help people afraid to do so. It prevents people from getting hired, from, um, from renting a place to live. And this misconception also makes it difficult for charitable organizations to open or expand facilities that provide services for the needy due to objections from nearby residents who fear for their safety. Now, another misconception, you know, when it comes to homeless people, if a teen gets kicked out, it's always his or her fault. And he or she deserves to live in misery. And many teens have been discarded by their parents and usually for the most appalling reasons. Yes, some teens get kicked out uh, of out of control behavior, such as drug abuse and criminal activities, but their numbers are relatively small. And as many as a quarter of gay teens in America who be kicked out when their parents or guardians discover their sexual orientation. Sometimes teens are kicked out on the mere suspicion of a non-heterosexual orientation. Homosexual and bisexual teens account for up to 40% of teens' homeless population. And another group of teens, particularly at risk of uh, parental ejections, are transgender teens. And other reasons parents give uh, for rejecting teens from, from home include suspected premarital sex, poor performance in school, teen pregnancy, and contact without non-custodial parent for others, expulsion from the home is just an extension of child abuse and domestic violence. Many teens are not so much kicked out as abandoned. The parents or parent leave home and never return. Then you have the term runaway. It's often applied to teens living on the street, but it's often applied incorrectly. The majority of teens and young adults living without permanent housing have either been kicked out or abandoned by their parents or guardians. Those who are actually do leave home voluntarily are usually fleeing domestic, domestic violence, abuse. It could be, of course, sexual abuse, any other sorts of abuse that they leave. Now my call-ins are on, so I don't understand why you couldn't connect. Now, dangerous criminal activity or drug-related activity, um, you know, when it comes to runaways, I mean, it's not just because you know, um, 
they don't want to do or follow the rules at home, but you know, it's often applied that teens living on the street, but it's often applied incorrectly. So we don't know, you know, their situation when we see, you know, these young people living on the streets and, you know, assuming and having that, that, that misconception of being that it's the teen's fault. People are going to say what they want to say. Now, when it comes to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or questioning and homeless. Sadly, about one in four LGBT teens and young adults can expect to be kicked out or abused until they flee. This was happening, you know, not just in the United States, Canada, around the world. Even when people are involved and when young people are involved in uh, our minors and throwing them out is illegal, very few parents or guardians are prosecuted for neglect. They are throwing their kids out to get raped and otherwise harmed and our society doesn't hold them accountable because this kind of prejudice often comes from deeply held personal beliefs. And the belief in the freedom of, uh, of religion or belief that causing harm to another person or neglecting a minor is not protected behavior. Another stereotype about homeless people is that they are all drug addicts and winos. Many are neither drug addicts or alcoholics. Well, close to half of adults homeless people in the United States currently struggle with addictions or have struggled with addictions in the past. Many of them do not have or and have not had a drug or alcohol problem. This is, harm or, this is a harmful stereotype because it closes many doors for people without homes. Employers and landlords that believe the, uh, the, these are, are, um, are likely or unlikely to hire or rent to them. Even some homeless shelters are hampered by this misconception. Some of them require substance abuse counseling for all who use their services, even those without addictions, taking up valuable time that people could use to seek employment or to work odd jobs. So they're not all drug addicts and minos. Another fact, many women and children are living without homes. Forget about the idea that all people who have lost their homes are drug addict criminals. Most homeless people are normal, decent people who have fallen on difficult times and need a safe place to stay and help getting back on 
their feet. Women fleeing abusive situations with their children. Another misconception is that all homeless people are mentally ill. Only about a quarter of homeless Americans are severely mentally ill. Those who are mentally ill are mainly ill in ways completely harmless to anyone but themselves. There's also some questions as to whether or not those people who are mentally ill or emotionally disturbed became mentally ill as a consequence of trauma, violence, and other stresses experienced while living without adequate shelter. This belief about homeless people is dangerous because, again, it creates fear and leads to suggestions that they should all be rounded up and institutionalized instead of helped. While mental illness does cause people to fall on at, at independent living, it should be treated rather than feared. Anything that portrays an entire class of people as dangerous and out of control is, is harmful. Mental, mental, mentally ill problems, drug addiction, violence in the home, sexual assault, and many other factors leading to Homeless, homelessness, and the other stereotype that people may really talk about, you know, that they, that they are all too lazy to work. And maybe, you know, this is a conversation that maybe has popped up, you know, you know, and had a conversation about charity work and people start to go about the topic of the undeserving poor or people they think don't deserve help. The, the, the major reason people claim poor people don't deserve to be helped is that they are too lazy to help themselves. And that's another stereotype, you know, misconception about homeless people. Now, it doesn't indicate laziness. Many of them lost their jobs through no fault of their own, through corporate downsizing or due to injury, illness, old age, or a disability. Those well enough and young enough to work have many high barriers to gaining employment. They may be putting dozens of applications a day, but never get a bite due to the prejudice created by the strong and commonly held negative beliefs about homeless people. Those with jobs are often underemployed or don't even earn enough to afford rent or to qualify for rent. 
Another issue is that even if a person works full time, he or she may earn enough to afford an apartment, but find themselves unable to rent one because of the income requirements many complexes have. And many rental properties require renters to make three times as much as the cost of the rent. And getting a co-signer but the co-signer usually has to have a good credit rating and an income that if combined with the renters equals at least five times the price of the rent. So they find themselves maybe living with family and friends because yeah, they're working, but these, you know, the ones who are working, living with family and friends are the unseen homeless people. The homeless people that we see out there are the ones that we see on the streets regularly. Ones who are just aimlessly walking around, going nowhere, going to shelters, going to going to the 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 the, uh, the soup kitchens and and everything on on a daily basis, they're in the public eye. People who are working and can't afford to get a place, living with friends and family, they're the unseen homeless. And then the misconception is always the result of poor choices. So many people lose their homes due to disability, illness or injury, mental illness, learning disability or other mental impairment, parental abandonment, old age and corporate downsizing. The answer to this myth is a definite no. No one chooses to become disabled, sick or injured. No one chooses to become mentally ill or to be born learn or uh, being born learning disabled. No one chooses to be born to abusive or domestic parents. No one chooses to lose a job to corporate downsizing. Nobody chooses any of these things. When it comes to mental illness, mental illness knows no age or gender or creed. Mental illness doesn't care if you're black or white or Chinese. No one chooses. And these myths, these misconceptions isn't about, is not always the result of a poor choice. It is freedom and a life of leisure. Another misconception. Many people seem to think that being homeless is the result of a choice to be free from pressures of a nine to five job and the stresses of of paying bills. 
In reality, many people still work and, and pay bills with the added stresses of of um, of fear and violence and worries about where to sleep at night. Even those men, women, and children who don't work or pay bills feel the stresses of insecurity, sleep deprivation, lack of cleanliness, and the ever-present danger of violence. People without homes are constantly on the move, getting roasted by the police or threatened by civilians. They don't get to participate in the leisure activities. If you see a homeless person sleeping on a lawn looking peaceful, it doesn't mean it's like he's on vacation. He's just getting a few minutes of hours of sleep and has nowhere else to do it. Homelessness is not a carefree existence. It's a miserable one. And these misconceptions of people who are homeless. Now, mental illness in our society today and yesteryears You know, what is, what is mental illness? And the mental illness are health conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking or behavior, or a combination of, uh, of these. Mental illness are associated with distresses and or problems functioning in social work or family activities. Mental illness is common in a given year. Now, nearly one in five, 19% U.S. adults experience some form of mental illness. One in 24, 4.1% has a serious mental illness. And one in 12, 8.5% has a a diagnosable substance use disorder. And mental illness is treatable. The vast majority of individuals' mental illness continue to function in their daily lives, whatever how they do it. So you have mental health, which involves effective functioning in our daily activity, resulting in productive activities, work, school, caregiving, healthy relationships, ability to adapt to change and cope with adversity. I guess that's having that clean bill of health, that clean bill of mental health, that you're able to do this. The mental illness refers collectively to all 
diagnosable mental disorders, health conditions involving significant change in thinking, emotion, and or behavior, distress or problems functioning in social work and family activities. Can mental illness, and, and yes it can, result in someone being homeless? Addiction. Having a mental Ill illness and an addiction. And many people who have a mental illness do not want to talk about it. The mental illness is nothing to be ashamed of. And it's a medical condition. There's a lot of stigma goes alongside with a mental illness. Mental illness does not discriminate. It can affect anyone regardless of your age, gender, where you live, income, social status, race, religion, sexual orientation, background, or other aspects of cultural identity. And while mental illness can occur at any age, three-fourths of a mental illness begins by the age of 24. Mental illness take many forms. Some are mild and only interfere in a limited ways with daily life, such as certain phobias, abnormal fears. Other mental health conditions are so severe that a person may need care in a hospital. Addictions and substance use disorders, anxiety disorders, depression, disassociative disorders, eating disorders, gender dysphoria, Obsessive compulsive disorder, personality disorders, post traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar. People with a mental illness, you know, and then, you know, the stereotype or, or the misconception, you know, um, and the stigma, you know, um, also people would think that, oh, their family is like that. Their mother or parents are like that. That's not always the case.
you know, the mental illness and the challenges that they face every single day. And the stigma that's tied to it. People with a mental illness doesn't always necessarily mean that, you know, they are dangerous to others. You know, when we talk about the stigma of mental health issues and disorders, you know, imagine that you or someone you know is dealing with a mental health issue and has an added stressor that they are also dealing with stigma. And stigma presents a serious obstacle to people who are facing mental health injuries. And stigma affects people when they are ill, when they seek treatment and are recuperating. And what is stigma? It's considered a mark of shame disgrace or disapproval from others as well as directed towards oneself. Stigma is a form of discrimination that many people with mental health issues struggle with. Self stigma occurs when an individual internalizes negative attitudes about their mental health resulting in acceptance of poor treatment by others. Negative coping strategies, secrecy and withdrawal. And people that are struggling with mental health issues often suffer because of stigma and consequently they may feel rejected by family, friends, colleagues, and the community as a whole. See, because we, like when, when we see homeless people, we don't know why they're there. And mental Ill, illness potentially is going to pay, uh, play a role in this. And the stigma that goes with homelessness. And the stigma has a negative impact on people with mental health issues in the following ways. And it gives the examples here, less likely to seek treatment, are often not employed or underemployed. Discrimination in the workplace prevents them from reaching full, full professional and or personal potential. Diminished self-worth, increased isolation and hopelessness. Family members also impacted with stigma, with stigma by association. 
So somebody who's bipolar, somebody who's schizophrenia or any other mental illness. Now family members are impacted with stigma of stigma by association. Doesn't just it does not just affect the person with the mental illness, it affects the entire family. Now, the ways to stop stigma for friends, family, colleagues, is you need to talk about it. Have conversations that seek first to understand the live experience of the person with a mental health issue. Maybe ask a question. Hey, I've noticed that you're not quite yourself. Would you like to talk about it? Ask questions about what it's like for them and how you can best support them. But first things is, you know, maybe you already, you you know, you know, they, they, they're bipolar, they're schizophrenia. You know, it's something that, you know, you want to do research about a specific mental illness that a person is experiencing. You maybe want to Look up that specific illness. When talking about it, be aware of your language. Words have meaning and reflect attitudes and beliefs. Be careful of the objectives used to describe mental health. Be respectful in how to speak about individuals struggling with mental health issues. And like I said, educate yourself. If you have a family member, friend, or a colleague who struggles with mental health, educate yourself on that particular condition. To learn about the onset, the duration, the treatment, and let them know that you care enough about them that you want to learn more. and include others. Inclusion counteracts the shame and the embarrassment. With, with people that, who experience mental health, including people in the family workplace and or community activities goes a long way of bridging that gap. Addiction, mental health, or mental illness. The disinformation and the stigmas and mental illness
can also lead to homelessness. We probably all experienced something, you know, in this almost two years of this pandemic. Depression might come into mind. People who had lost their jobs wrote closures of businesses. Really no um, supports um, uh, from the government or supports in the community or, or supports from family. You know, it's not knowing, you know, when things are going to get better. And still with the, with the, with all the struggles that people are going through, through their loss of a job. It could be through a loss of a, a, a of a loved one. We've probably felt at some point in time in our lives, we felt some form or even state of, of depression. We get down, we feel sad. Then we feel tired a lot. We find ourselves sleeping more. We find ourselves those disassociating ourselves from from family and friends and, and the activities that we like to like to or or usually did. Depression can lead to other problems. You know, this why, you know, we who are so very, I guess you could say very lucky, I guess, you know, we're not, you know, our, in ourselves, you know, have a, a mental health issue or, or in disorders, you know, that our mental health, you know, is a clean bill of health and we're able to function in our every, everyday lives in, in society. But don't forget about those people out there who are dealing with mental health issues and disorders. And the stigmas that are tied to it. And whether it's addictions. And a combination of both of, of mental health issues and disorders in an addiction. People ending up on the streets. For many different reasons and mental health issues and disorders 
or it's just the tip of the iceberg. And addictions and whatever other experiences these men, women, teenagers experience growing up through their lives in their homes, whether it was mental, physical, sexual abuses, or your, or your sexual orientation, or whatever the case, if you see somebody and it's very clear that they are homeless, we have to stop the misinformation, the stigma, And trying to learn and understand why people end up where they do. This pandemic has been no help. Even when it comes to your own personal finances, maybe you lucky ones out there that were still able to work. But the ones who had, you know, not just the one, you know, the ones that lose their jobs. I mean, they may not even be returning back to that job. Government supports. I mean, here in Canada, throughout this entire pandemic, the government supports the financial help from the government through the entire pandemic. And yes, these things are, are being, you know, removed, you know, less money, you know, as more and more people are returning back to the workforce. There may be people who's not returning back to the workforce. And not, you know, the, the social these social benefits, your employment insurance, you know, is coming to an end. You're worrying about where your next paycheck is going to come from because you still haven't found a job yet. You know, we are, you know, reopening, you know, here in Ontario, Canada, you know, but we're doing it in stages. We're not rushing this. But despite everything that has gone on, you know, think about, think about your mindset, you know, Think about a, a clear mental health bill, right? A checkup doesn't hurt. To go to a family doctor for a mental health checkup. 
doesn't hurt doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. A clean bill of health is a good bill of health. But maybe throughout this pandemic, you know, you start to have different feelings. Maybe you found a way to deal with it. If you have and it's working for you and and you're getting along with it, then that's great. But for those out there, and, 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 you know, when it comes to, you know, um, depression, you know, because of the struggles and because of the stressors that has been put upon you. This pandemic isn't yours and my fault. It's not our fault that, you know, we we go into shutdown and we close businesses and we close schools. We have access to essentials. We don't get, you know, access, you know, when when it came to, you know, visiting friends and family the social change that took place. One of our mere characterizations of our main characterization as being the human being is socialization. We need social as part of our survival. We can't control things that are not in our control. Yes, we get upset, we get mad when, you know, governments and healthcare officials and everything else like that, you know, places these restrictions. It's a normal response. But it was a necessary response by our healthcare professionals and our governments. It's not punishment. It's the way to save lives. People over time and people over time throughout this pandemic, you know, would now potentially have some issues. And there's no, there is no shame in going to talk about it the way you feel. Because you know personally, you know yourself, you know yourself that there's something that has changed throughout this pandemic. I myself, even though I was still able to work, 
had felt some form of, of depression and sadness throughout this pandemic. Depressed because I can't, I can't go anywhere, do anything. Sadness because I can't visit friends and family. But maybe it's not, it's not the, you know, that, that depression, you know, would not be the, you know, just because I can't go do something, I'm depressed because I can't go out and do an activity and stuff like that. But you have that depression, what goes along with sadness and depression because of job loss. financial loss, anxiety, worrying about where your next meal is going to come from, how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to keep the lights on. Those are, those are real experiences that people go through, not just through this pandemic, but they go through this every single day of their lives. And we attach a stigma to that. We attach a stigma to, to people who are struggling. Oh, it's their fault because they don't make enough money. It's their fault because they didn't go to college or university. It's their fault because they have no ambition. You probably hear this. And we don't know what exactly is going on. We can just assume. Until we really know, until we really ask and talk to them. We don't know. When you're walking down the street today or driving your car somewhere today, you see somebody standing on the corner holding a sign saying, homeless, please help. Leave the misconceptions out of it. and the stigma because we don't know why they're really, why they're really there. It'll be a variety of reasons of why they're there. It'll be shocking. It'll be disturbing. We need to be more compassionate. We need to show more compassion, more empathy. 
Stop the misinformation. Stop the stigma. When it comes to why people are living on the street, mental health issues and disorders, addictions. We don't know why they're where they're at. We don't know why they're there. I guess maybe we should all take more time to find out why. And look around in your communities, you know, you, you know, you, you, you walk your streets, you drive your streets, whoever like that. You yourself may not know where these services providers are for these people who have these issues. Because you don't have these issues yourself, so you're not looking for them. But maybe take the time one day to drive around your neighborhoods and your communities and you see the social supports out there. The mission services. You know, one day I, I, I was going out and I was, I was getting a coffee. And uh, I came out. And uh, this is before the pandemic. And I saw this individual um, standing um, just off on the on the sidewalk, um, holding again, holding up a sign, homeless, hungry, you know, please help. And um, our our services, you know, were probably oh five blocks away six blocks away from where uh, this individual was. And um, I asked the individual if they knew where these services were. They did. And um, I backed up and I said, do you want something to eat? I won't give them money, but I will get them a beverage, I will get them a sandwich of some sort. You know, and let them, you know, like I said, you know, do you know where these services are? And if yourself, you don't know where they are, take the time and go look around your community to find out where they are. So thank you for listening this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I think that, you know, um, this is a, a really important topic and, and it should be talked about not just after today, but it should be talked about, you know, you're out with your friends sometime, you know, with family or even coworkers. about mental health, mental health issues and disorders, addictions, homelessness. Maybe there's something in your community that you can do. Maybe there's something in your community that you can help with.
but let's stop the, stig the, the stigma when it comes to addictions and mental health disorders and homelessness. So again, thank you for joining me this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it is now 12 o'clock in the PM here in Ontario, Canada. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy morning to join me here on the Truckers Podcast. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug.